The morning's scripture reading, Old Testament reading, is from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 to 2, 20, 1 to 20, 25, 36, 38, and 43 to 45. The New Testament reading is from Luke 6, 20 to 26. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season, and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed, and the crops of your land, and the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in, and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and rebuke in everything you put your hand to, until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done 
in forsaking him. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them from one direction, but flee from them in seven, and you will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on earth. The Lord will drive you and the king you set over to a nation unknown to you or your ancestors. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone. You will sow much seed in the field, but you will harvest little because locusts will devour it. The foreigners who reside among you will rise above you higher and higher, but you will sink lower and lower. They will lend to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head, but you will be the tail. All these curses will come on you. They will pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord your God and observe the commands and decrees he gave you. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. That, that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Martha, for getting through all those blessings and curses. When you think of blessings and curses in your day-to-day -day life, you probably don't think like that. Perhaps when it comes to blessing, you might think of the God bless you when you sneeze or someone sneezes. Or you, if you, you might appreciate the, oh, bless your heart, as a sign of appreciation to someone who helps you on this street. When it comes to curses, I'm sure you can think of a number of expletives that begin with S and begin with F and the damn U's and all the variations, right? In some circles, the F word can, is very uh, versatile. It can be used as a verb, as an adjective, as a noun, as an adverb, all in the same sentence. See, we hear curse words so often that their meaning is diluted. And when, even when we hear them, it's uh, blessings, we, they're often used in just polite well wishes. I think our modern culture has underestimated the power of blessings and curses. We refrain from affirming and blessing others out of fear or insecurity or vulnerability. And we use our words to tear down and other others. The Didache is one of the earliest Christian documents that outlines what Christian practices were like in the first century. And it begins with blessings and curses. 
Now, this document reveals how Jewish Christians saw themselves and adapted their practices for the growing numbers of Gentile Christians that were joining the church. The book begins with this line, there are two ways of life. One of life, there are two, only two ways, the one of life and one of death. And there's a great difference between these two ways. The way of life is the way of blessing and the way of death is the way of cursing. But here's the thing. What if we were to embrace this idea of blessing and cursing more fully and refrain from cursing in our lives? How might our relationships look different? How might our world look different? What difference would the, would the way of blessing and the way of life make in how we approach conflict and how we approach difficult conversations? Now, in this Blessings and Curses series, through this month of November, we're going to look at how we can step into this life that blesses others rather than cursing them. We're going to look at the power of our words or often the lack of w- using our words and how that might impact others. We're going to look at the ways that we might curse others even though we're not proclaiming outright curses over them. And we're going to see how God invites us to reflect his character towards all of humanity and creation as we follow Christ in the world, and especially in these areas. Now, today we're going to spend some time priming ourselves to this idea of blessing and curses. And in the coming weeks, we're going to see how this idea of blessing connects with this grand story of God's desire to bless creation. We look at how it affects our various relationships. And finally, we're going to see how this idea of blessing is ultimately about giving yourself away. Before we get to how blessing and curses relate to our lives, let's take some time to look at see and see how they relate to the living God. Now, the very first mention of blessing shows up in the word barak, which means to bless. It's the Hebrew word for bless. It comes on day five of the creation story after God creates the creatures of the sea and the birds of the air. He blesses them and says, be fruitful and multiply. The very next day, God creates humanity. And he blesses them too with a very similar blessing, be fruitful and multiply. But God's blessing on Adam and Eve differs just by a little, by by this one statement. He adds a bit more than the blessing over the animals. You see, humans are blessed not only to be fruitful and multiply, but to rule over and to care for all created things as God's agent in the world. But no sooner do do Adam and Eve receive this blessing from God that they find themselves under a curse. They take their freedom and their authority that God grants to them, and they wanted to rule for themselves. And because they failed to trust in God's goodness and blessing by taking matters into their own hands, they were cast out of God's garden, and their result was their work, their child-rearing, their relationship with one another would be much harder apart from God. Rather than benefiting from God's blessing, they were now cursed. We find that as the story unfolds, despite the choices of Adam and Eve and all who follow after them, we find that God still desires to bless humanity. He blesses Noah. He blesses Abraham. He blesses Moses and the Israelites as they are released from Egyptian captivity. And finally, we get to Deuteronomy 28, where we see this fullest declaration of God's desire to bless God's people. And though 
Martha only read selections of this very long chapter of blessings and curses, we find that the blessings in, verses that we, in the first 14 verses are far outweighed by the rest of the chapter. There's from 15 to verse 68 are all the curses. God longs to bless his people with fruitfulness, with security. God desires for them to be provided for abundantly. And this makes sense considering the context of what they're going through. Now, the book of Deuteronomy records Moses' final sermon to the Israelites after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness before they enter into the promised land. And that's this, this is the giving of the second law, which is literally what Deuteronomy means. Deutero means to, nomos means law. So this is the summary that Moses gives to God's people before they enter into the promised land after wandering for 40 years. Now, these blessings and curses are a warning to the Israelites to trust and to obey the living God who leads them. And the extent, all these curses that he gives to them are a precursor. It's a hint. It's foreshadowing. If it's a f f screenplay, it's that attention that the, f the, the, f the camera pans across, hinting at what's to come. We know on this side of history that they don't end up living in God's blessing. They don't experience the fullness of God's provision. They don't act justly. They don't walk humbly before God. They don't fully trust God living in God's ways, in the ways of blessing. So, so far we hear that God desires to bless. God is the source of all blessing. But you might have a couple of questions still. Why are you so negative, God? How does a supposedly loving God curse his people? And even when we fast forward to Jesus, we, Martha also read from Luke chapter 6, we heard a series of blessings and woes, or blessings and curses. So what are we to make of that? So we can get caught up in the form and in the content of the blessings and curses. So let me just say a little bit about that. The form sounds like a laundry list of do's and don'ts and benefits and consequences. The form in the blessings of blessings and curses is typical of this ancient legal code and treaties that nations make with one another or part, two parties make in an agreement. And it outlines the divine blessings that will come if the relationship is kept or the curses that will come if the relationship is broken. And scriptures were written at a time when divine powers were believed to influence directly or indirectly the life and the destiny of two people or of two nations. That's the form. That's where they get it from. And then we look at the content. Now we can read these blessings and curses and think, what do these have to do with us living in the 21st century? I don't need blessing for my crops or animals to be fruitful and multiply. As someone who's had gerbils that have had babies and rabbits that have had babies, I don't need more of that. If you have pets, you probably spay and neuter them, right? You don't want them to be fruitful and multiply. So why do I even want these kinds of blessings? And why would I want to bless others with those kinds of blessings? In scripture, this idea of bless, blessing has been most frequently understood as these benefits that are conveyed. Prosperity, material provision, for fertility, power. But it would be a mistake to focus only on the benefits of blessing and vice versa on the consequences of curses. So hear this. The primary emphasis of blessings and curses, especially in scripture, is a statement of relationship between two parties. Blessings and curses are about 
a describing a relationship. Take a look at what precedes all the blessings in Deuteronomy. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And verse 15, con conversely, however, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you and go on to be like 45 verses of curses. The blessings and curses are a reflection of one's relationship with the living God. And the focus on this relationship rather than the content, rather than the form, helps us understand how blessings and curses are passed on. What is conveyed in, is that blessings always are based on a favorable relationship between two parties. When, when someone trusts God and obeys God, God's blessing follows. When one fails to trust and obey God, the consequences of that breaking of relationship are reflected in curses. So here's a big footnote, though. You might hear that and say, well, there's a big, there's a danger in oversimplifying this. Saying like, okay, obedience and trust automatically get God's blessings in the way I want it, in the timing I want it, whenever I want it. And that whenever we disobey God or whenever we experience difficulty or suffering in our life, that, that means we're not, we're not obeying God in a part of our life. Don't oversimplify this. My life is good, therefore I'm good with God. My life is bad, therefore my life is bad with God. See, when Jesus returns to re reframes these blessings and curses in Luke chapter 6 in his time, the form is similar, but note the change in content. Rather than blessings of material security and of provision, his blessings and woes contrast those who are on the margins, those who are persecuted, those who are suffering with those who appear to be in, who appear to be wealthy and content and respected. Something that we touched on in our teaching time this morning before the service. And there's a contrast of what life is like now to what life will one day be. Jesus' blessings and curses at their heart challenge those who think that they're in, but will find that one day that they're out. Those who think that they're out and dispossessed will find comfort and satisfaction one day in God's kingdom. A different kind of blessing is described, but ultimately this blessing describes a relationship connected with the living God. So, what's the secret to understanding blessings and curses in Scripture? That they are fundamentally about describing a relationship between two parties, between us and God. For Moses and the Israelites, the blessings and curses describe the benefits that come being in right relationship with God who leads them. And the God of love pours out blessings in the form of material provision for these Israelites as they enter into a new land. And in Jesus' time, though they lived on the soil of the promised land, God's people were dispossessed, marginalized, waiting for God to come, living under Roman occupation. They wanted to be restored to the promise of their ancestors. But Jesus and Jesus' uh, blessings describe what life would be like when people trust God. Relationship, blessings and curses that come from it. So back to the question of, why would a loving God actually curse? You might even say, well, I don't believe that a loving God would curse people. So I'm just going to overlook what God and Jesus say in Scripture. But all you're doing is just creating a God of your own imagination. And that would be really convenient. So how do we reconcile what we read here in Scripture? 
if God is a God of love, and if God desires to bless and not curse, why does God seem so angry? How do we reconcile God's curse with God's character of love? Again, this idea of a relationship helps us here. The blessings and curses describe an invitation to relationship. See, if we believe that there's a God, that there's a God worth believing in and trusting, and that God is a God of love and of joy and of power and of goodness and hope and is the source of all blessing, then these blessings and curses he extends towards humanity are not so, seen so much as this contract of relationship, but as an invitation. They are to be seen as this extension of relationship, extension of friendship that God offers to all of humanity. The blessings describe God's ever-reaching love and mercy to all who would receive this relationship. And the curses, in quotes, simply describes what happens to those who don't remain in relationship, who don't receive this relationship from the source of love, of goodness, and of life, and of beauty. The curses don't describe so much God's willful action upon certain people as much as they describe the, the consequences that we experience when we disconnect ourselves from the source of love and of truth and of beauty and of life. Being dis if you read the curses in uh, 28, they're just described as curses. It never says that God curses God's people. Being disconnected in full relationship with God is like being cursed. So this is a God's invitation to every person, whether you're here in person or listening online. An invitation to life, a life of blessing and that flows from a relationship of trust and obedience and of faith in a God of love. This invitation of relationship that God extends toward us, we find is actually the blessing of all blessings. And if you don't know God in this way, we're so glad that you're here. But this invitation is for you. This invitation is for me. And here's the thing. This God of love, the God of Scripture, never forces the relationship. It's always in your court. But for those who know the other side of this invitation, it's the way of life. It's the way of blessing. Because we get God. So we waded through all of this history and context of God's blessing towards humanity. You might be thinking, still, what does this have to do with me blessing others? What does it mean to walk in this way of life and blessing and to not curse others? You see, just as we can see blessings and curses in Scripture as an invitation from God to relationship with us, our use of blessings and curses say something about our relationships with others. You remember when we began today, the, we show, uh, show, uh, this quote of the Didache, one of the earliest Christian documents for the early followers of Jesus, and described two ways of living, the way of life and the way of death. It goes on to say this. The way of life, then, is this. First, you shall love God who made you. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. And do not do to another what you do, would not want done to you. In all of these sayings, the teaching is this. Bless those who curse you, pray for your enemies, fast for those who persecute you. For what reward is there for loving those 
who love you. If you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, then we are invited into this way of life, this way of blessing. It's the way of blessing those who curse us. The Didache continues, and most of it is just quoting Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, describing this way of life, this way of blessing, which is to love those who hate you. It's about refraining from lusting after others. It's about refraining from striking out in anger towards those who offend you. The way of life is at its root, the way of extending relationship all the time, no matter what comes at you. That's very different from the world we live in. When we say that walk in the way of blessing, we are walking in the way of life. We are saying, I value a meaningful relationship with you. I see you. You matter. Now, the way of life and blessing is about extending relationship to others. Others who, in fact, might turn against you. Others who might say something against you. Others who, whoa, disagree with you. The way of blessing and this way of life is reflective of God's own character and action in history. And as God's image bearers in the world, we are invited to imitate God in the same manner. This invitation to the way of blessing is an invitation, in fact, to be more like Jesus. That's the foundation for blessings and curses and the way they work in our life. So why are we talking about this and what relevance do blessings and curses have in our day-to-day lives? Let me share a few stories. Okay, no one wins at war. No one wins at war, except military and weapons manufacturers, maybe. When there's a conflict like Ukraine-Russia or Israel-Gaza, there are always unnecessary deaths and destruction, which we should lament. But at its root, the actions of war are a kind of curse. We are saying it's a breaking of relationship, where in fact the actions of war are actions of anti-relationship. They speak with words and with action that I don't want to have anything to do with you. It may be framed in economic, uh, national security or economic interests or religious faithfulness, but at its root is a curse saying, you don't deserve to be in relationship with me. I don't have time for you. Switching gears. I've come to know Dr. Soon Chan Ra. Uh, he's a professor of evangelism at Fuller Seminary over these past few years. Uh, we've been working together on in this group called Evangelicals for Justice. He's a prolific writer, scholar, and speaker. But he's also just a genuinely kind and generous man. Every night, we were, I was at a conference in, uh, in L.A. last week, and every night he welcomed guests and speakers over to his house, started a campfire, cooked some bar- Korean barbecue ribs, and opened up a few drinks every night, staying up till like midnight. He was invited to speak to students at a Christian college named Westmont College, to encourage them to remain faithful to Jesus and to the church. Now, a few weeks he was about to leave for this engagement, he was disinvited by the president of the college for no reason. So he says this, because it went public and he, did, he didn't hear it, he, uh, Professor Ra writes this on his blog or Substack. So, Westmont College, could you please give me a clear biblical reason why you disinvited me? Could you, for the record, state why you take such a rude, ungracious action towards an evangelical pastor and scholar who is planning to speak on encouraging students to persevere in their faith? 
he finally gets a chance to talk to the president, who said that an anonymous source told him that Professor Ra might disparage the college in his speaking. So without speaking to Dr. Ra at all they, about these claims, they simply canceled him. The cancellation is a cancellation, cancel culture is about breaking relationship, saying, we're more worried about how we'll look to whoever than to actually speak to the person that someone has raised a concern about. The form of cursing, silence, cancellation, is a curse extended from the, student, the school and administration towards Dr. Ra. Lastly, on a more personal note, and it's one of the main reasons for the sermon series. Now, many of you know that our son, Evan, died by suicide in June of earlier this year. And as Julie and I have attempted to assemble this decision of his to end his life, we looked at his suicide note, we looked at his journal entries, we realized that one of the reasons was Evan's conflicted soul that longed for intimacy, that longed for relationship that he felt would never happen. He wanted to be, it happened at multiple levels. He, wa he wanted to be in Vancouver with his friends, but we lived here in D.C. and he'd miss us. If he lived here with us, then he'd miss his friends in Vancouver. He longed for meaningful relationships with others, both romantic and platonic. But he felt that others would spurn him if they knew his deepest feelings. And when he felt that others did not respond to his bids for relationship in conversation or over texts, he would feel isolated and alone. He felt like others didn't seem to value a relationship with him as much as he wanted for others. And on the day that he jumped to his death, we found out that his appeal to get into the dorms on campus was rejected. That was a huge blow to his longing for relationship after going through his entire high school career online at home. What he felt was being ghosted by others, and that felt like a curse. You see, our curses towards others, they don't have to be the obvious expletive words shouted towards others. Our curses can simply be ghosting others, canceling others, spiting others, our curses simply might be, I don't have time for you. I got better things to do with my time. You don't say that to anyone. You just don't say anything to anyone. So I schedule myself to the hilt so I don't have to be around you. Our curses might be more overt, rallying people to cancel someone you don't like. With silence, with defriending people, or attacking others with words or on social media. Intentionally or unintentionally, we are saying... This relationship doesn't matter to me. Cursing can say to the other, I wish you were dead to me. You don't deserve my attention or my time. Here's the thing. Jesus invites us to the way of life, to a way of blessing. And to walk in blessing isn't just to receive blessings from God, but it's to extend blessings to others around us, more than just mere pithy statements. At its core, the way of life and the way of blessing is the way of relationship. Now, I recognize there are limits to the number of meaningful relationships we have and the depth of relationships that we have. That's a reality. And I also recognize in situations of abuse, there are healthy boundaries to set. But I think in our culture now, we have leaned a little too far to the desire to break off relationship with silence. 
othering others too quickly. Because at our core, we have been disconnected from the source of all blessing in the living God. Over the next few weeks, we're going to continue further explore what living a life of blessing and cursing looks like. Blessing looks like. To walk further in the way of blessing and of life is really to walk further in the way of Jesus. I think that's what our world, a world of conflict and division and of revenge and of self-righteousness desperately needs. So will you join us over these next few weeks as we hear how God's leading us in the way of life, in the way of blessing, in the way of Jesus.